Where? Dude, I'm not okay with spiders. I will murder spiders. Where is it at? It's right here. Oh, uh, he must die. I don't understand that. He's about to meet some biblical theology. He's on the floor crawling away now. He's down there, man. He's right there. I can see him. out there for other spiders to see see what happens see what happens spiders are good bro they it keep, has more than four legs they keep the they keep the bugs down bro <laughs> if he has more than four legs reggie i don't trust it you have it's more like, than four legs it's like most insects dude i mean i know come on. i know all of it all of them potato bugs dude. they all die potato bugs have like 42 legs they got to die look here's my thing I'm good with them all out in nature, right? Be all out in the nature, doing what the natural things call you to do. Don't be in my house. Well, Don't, I get that. But they're going to be in your house, dude, no matter what you do. I will murder late them I'm, repeatedly. I'm just telling you, you're, you're fighting a losing battle, homie. Dude, this is not a joke. Julie and I were living at Sue Helen Drive, right up the street from where the church was when we went to encounter. I walked in the bedroom one night. And I looked up on the corner of the wall. That freaking big up there, dude. I closed the door. I closed the door. I got a shoe and I beat that spider. I literally beat it till it evaporated. Like I, like I be, I talked to it while I was beating it too. Like it was one of my children. Like, <laughs> it's like, you want to come in my house? <laughs> <laughs> Julie's like, well, who are you screaming at? I'm like, you don't need to know. <laughs> I was like, no one needs to know. Look, like a little tiny spire like that. I'm cool. You know, I'll miss you. May not see you. This thing looked straight off of eight-legged freaks. Like, I was like, no, dude, that can't happen. Welcome Dang. to R&B Talks. We're so putting that in there. <laughs> that's right. What? <laughs> no, that's, a, that's that's some dirty. That's some gnarly animal. That is some gnarly animal. Like I'm not playing with that. You got to be kidding me. Like that's look, man, dude. It's a sp like there that spider wasn't going to hurt you at all. Spiders are dirty, dude. They crawl around on you at night. Have you seen the videos with the people that squirt and it comes out the ear? No, mm -mm. nope. I'm just saying, Sorry. like, like it, it, they're they're, mm -mm. they're actually good. They keep the bug population down. And Out all there, sure. Don't come in my house. I, I'm just, I know. I, I wouldn't suggest <laughs> keeping spider webs in your home. However, <laughs> they're gonna be there. It's funny, like, man. like I make like, like it's like Jean Claude Van Damme in Bloodsport when I'm killing a spider. Like I'm smashing. I'm screaming. I sound like I'm getting murdered when I'm killing a spider. <laughs> <laughs> like it's bad it's bad i'm the steven seagal of spider murderers i watched a video no because then you had to be like you had to do the judo stuff and like grab their leg and like toss them the other way or something you know dude it was so funny i was watching a video of steven seagal the other day and he's you know he's in that stage of life where he looks like steven seagal the pillsbury doughboy 
And he does this move where he takes his hand and goes like this. And then the guy in the video asks him what he's doing. And he goes, this. And you see he doesn't know. So he's like, is a dragon chasing a ball? And I'm like, dude, don't make stuff up. <laughs> don't make stuff up, man. Why are you going to make stuff up by Steve? Steven? Come on, man. You're an Aikido master. Hop Keto. Steve Seagal's a weird guy. I mean, like, there's there's these, like, action movie people who are just, like, it's like their history is shrouded and, like, they sort of kind of probably didn't do that or this or whatever. It's just His present isn't shouted, though. You should stop eating ham sandwiches. Like, the dude is, like, like, look, man, I'm not trying to knock on anybody. I'm not, I, I, I work out a lot and I'm still not perfect. But homeboy, you're, you you want to be a movie star. You want to be a master of the hop keto. You look like you are a master of the fresh's big boy. I don't think he's doing. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know the last time I've seen a Steven Seagal movie, dude. It's been, oh, he's got like 162 straight to DVD. <laughs> <laughs> like, did you see the one where he's the, the deputy sheriff, the, in like Louisiana and he has, all of a sudden has a, a Louisiana accent. I'm like, well, he isn't. He is a sheriff in Louisiana now. I know, or, or but he, they, they made a whole television show about it, and he is ridiculous. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, don't like look '80s action movies, dude. Out for justice. When he beats up the whole bar full of guys with a with a with a pool cue wrapped in a towel, that is one of the best. 80s action sequences I've ever seen. Like, hands down. Like, you can take Rambo. You can take you can take Rambo. You can take, you well, know, Conan. I mean, the, the, you can roll them off the ball throw them in the lake. But, okay, but, yes, and he, he had a pool, pool uh, ball. He did. It was a pool cue. He wrapped it up in a towel. Not a cue. Or a ball. That's right. White, he had the cue ball. Cue ball. They're, wrapped they're, it up in the, wrapped it up it. in the towel <laughs> and just started wailing on people. And I was like, I want to be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I really liked. I I did like Out for Justice, mm-hmm. uh, Under Siege though. Yeah, obviously another classic. But he ruined is. it with Under Siege too. Yeah, like, well, he kicked everybody's yeah. ass on a boat. <laughs> now he's gonna kick everybody's <laughs> ass on a train. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, don't ruin it. Like uh, you did Under Siege, and it was a great movie. Then you did Under Siege too, and we were all like, "And who's the dude?" The dude that was on the train in Under Siege 2, did you ever watch, did you ever see uh, Heartbreak Ridge with Clint Eastwood? Well, yeah. I just the, don't. the guy that hated Clint Eastwood in Heartbreak Ridge, the guy that was like a rank above him, but he was younger, he played like the villain in Under Siege 2. He was the worst villain ever. Like Steven Seagal beat him up instantly. Like there wasn't, he didn't even land a blow. Like, come on, man. I would have had to been like, rewrite. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the evil villain. I at least get a one up for like a second. Yeah, but I, I mean, if he was truly as badass, he's supposed to be. That probably would happen anyway. But I know. Anyway. the the Okay. So the other movie, since we're talking about it, Bloodsport. Oh, oh, right. Jean-Claude Van Damme. I, well, okay. I loved Bloodsport. I thought it was so cool. There was this dude named Frank Dukes who was like yeah. all this stuff. Cool my day. Well, then, then I'm like, you know, later on. Of course, nowadays the internet's so freaking huge, and so they're like they don't even they can't verify anything that he actually did, or whatever. so it's like he's probably a fraud too. The Frank Dukes guy, not I mean, obviously Von Dom's not a 
real martial arts person, but well, I think he is. I just think he is not good at it, so he got beat up a lot. I don't know. I, th- I don't think he is. I think he's a ballet. He was in ballet and all this shit or something. I don't remember his. Th- not he, sure. But anyway, it, it was fine. He was actually a good villain in the uh, Expendables. He was. Expendables he movies. was. I like the way he goes. Have this tattoo of a goat. It is the pet of Satan. <laughs> What? 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 Does Satan have a pet? I don't know. Look, dude. Look, dude. Uh, The devil is probably a lot of things, but a pet owner is not. Yeah, I mean, like, okay. It was just weird. It was like, okay, (laughs) crack me up, man. Well, you know what's even weirder? Stallone wrote those movies, dialogue and all. Yeah. So why did he write that line in? Where did, what was he like? Ooh, you know what you're gonna do, Jean Claude? You're gonna go. This is a goat. It is the. Why would that be? What nuance is that adding to the movie? <laughs> I did. I, well, speaking of Stallone, too, I, I did recently start watching that one Netflix show. Sly. I did watch Sly. I haven't watched all of it. I watched a little bit of it. I tell you what, you know, there's something to be said for a guy who pretty much admits that he was kind of a douche. In, in the in his younger years like he's pretty well wide open then he was like i'll fight anybody that didn't like me when i was a young man like all right sly okay i got you at least you're being honest but dude you talk about a guy that man he's taking some brutal hits like he broke his neck in the first expendables movie and finished the movie good for you sly way to tough it out dude he broke his neck and finished the movie. That's that's you know good high five to Sly Stallone for that, right? Well, I mean, dude, it, it, I mean, I don't know. I, look, I love, I I love I, even the goofy Stallone movies, dude. I still I still think they're awesome. But like the latest Rambo movie was really good. I actually really liked it. Yeah, I've liked them all. You honestly. know, I mean, you now know. I will say this: First Blood, the original Rambo movie was probably one of my favorite action movies of the 80s because it was the first one where I felt like, you know, we weren't like sliding in on zip lines and, you know. I mean, let's. I mean, think about it, man. When Schwarzenegger made Commando, if you watch that show, when you see things blowing up in the background, you see the movie prop buildings falling over and the, and the two-by-fours holding them up behind them. Like, but Rambo was like, like he's a Vietnam vet, man, and the wrong people mess with him, and he snapped and had a flashback. And the next thing you know, die. he's he's diving out of trees, stabbing pigs, and you know, setting booby traps. And you know, he's back in Nam, man. You know, that's actually something I feel like could happen, right? Yeah, I don't know, but it it was a good story. Yeah, I mean, it was especially with that small the small town sheriff being all this, you know, whatever. But now I will say. The last of the Rocky movies, other than the last one, Rocky Balboa, I liked. The whole speech that he gave to his son, I thought that was a great speech. But like the one where he played, like he went back to the neighborhood and Tommy Gunn. And I was yeah. like, dude, that was a garbage movie, man. Yeah. I was like, come on, Sly. I mean, I, I get it, right? You, you, but dude. It was, it was, yeah. You know, but, you know, I'll, I'll honestly say that Rocky Three was my favorite because I loved Mr. T in that movie. You know, he, you know, Mr. T was fun. It was know. cool. Yeah, he got beat the hell up though by Dolph Lundgren. He did. Like he almost died. Apparently, he did. yeah. I didn't know that. 
Dolph like his, was Dolph was not playing games. Like his, I guess his heart got enlarged and all this stuff. And like, <laughs> well, dude, like, wow, who you who you letting hit you like that? The first time he hit me real hard, I'd be like, all right, we're done. I don't know. I mean, this I is mean, a movie. They probably, bro. dude. It was it was up to him. He was probably like, hey, don't let's. I want to make it look good, so you know, hit me. You know, he probably said that, dude. Hit me in the face repeatedly. Yeah. Uh, no. But no, Dolph. Uh, <laughs> Eat some borscht and chill out because you can't be hitting me anymore. (laughs) Did you forget, Dolph, that I cast you and I'm paying you? Stop hitting me in the face. (laughs) But see, then there's other actors in the 80s, you know, underrated. Like, I thought Chuck Norris was an underrated. Oh, dude, Chuck Norris is the bomb, bro. Oh, my favorite Chuck Norris movie is the one where he was fighting the invincible, unkillable dude. Do you remember that? Um, uh, it's silent, silent rage. Oh, what a great movie! Silent rage, Chuck Norris, you know, going to town with the dude that's unkillable. Like, uh, I feel but, like that was the first movie of that type, <laughs> but, right? But okay, but then you had like Delta Force, yeah, that was a good one, all right? And then you had like, like a couple other ones, but th- those like movies all led up to like stuff like American Ninja. Did you ever see that? Yeah, I did. Like in the what was it? Late was it early nineties that, that was, came out? Maybe that was late eighties, early nineties. I don't remember, but it like, was. I think it was late eighties. Like it was it, just, the eighties were rolling to an end. Like you watched it because it's like a total action movie with some dude trying to kick ass or whatever. But <laughs> but you're like, this kind of sucks. You know, you're you're not like. Oh, this is so awesome. Yeah, you know? you're watching it, and you're like, I'm only watching this because guy has. And a there sword. was like so That's many it. of those. Yeah. You know. Like oh, so yeah. many of these movies that were like, oh yeah, you're gonna watch it, but you're like, eh. But then, but then I think all of those. I, I think you have to look at the masterpiece, right? Like the masterpiece of '80s action films. It was Die Hard. Well, yeah, like Die like, Hard, dude. I don't know what the chemistry was in that movie or why that movie was so good, but in that whole movie, I was sitting on the edge of my seat. I was like, oh, he ran across the glass and now his feet are cut up. What's he going to do? Oh, he ran out of bullets and he taped the gun to his back. I'm like, and you know, like, look, nobody's breaking into Nakatomi Tower like that, but they made it so believable. Well, so I, I, I dude, I love Die Hard. I actually love all the movies. Die Hard. I can't help it. I, I do just, too. I just love the Die Hard movies. And, and, you know, Bruce Willis is kind of a man. He's, he's got some dementia and stuff and everything. So he's not Louis body dementia is what he's got. Yep. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be doing any acting anytime. Well, they said he's not, he's really not even verbally communicating anymore. Yeah. Which is that's a, that's a man. That sucks. Dude. I've met somebody with Louis body dementia before. And it's, it's, it's cause I mean, when you get, when you get, uh, it's almost like a, you know, when you get Parkinson's, you're, you're, it affects your vocal cords. And Louis, Demati, Louis Body Dementia does a lot of the same things. Yeah. Like it causes you to either lose your voice or to be able to have this really low kind of whispery voice. And the last I read, he's, he's not even verbally communicating anymore. Like he's mm. pretty much kind of. It was the same thing with Val Kilmer. Yeah. He doesn't have dementia, but like, uh, Whatever it was, well, he, he had throat cancer. Yeah, I guess it was. Had to take know. out his larynx and all that stuff. Yeah, dude. I mean, that mm. was the best dude in Top Gun. Actually, Top Gun Maverick is probably one of the best movies I've ever seen. Yeah. For real, like it's just it's just like it was so awesome. But the the scene with him in it was like so killer, dude. Yeah. It was really cool. But you know, you couldn't have timed a movie better. 
because we were we were in COVID. We were still kind of we were we're coming to the end of COVID. Everybody had had their fill of politics, and then you know Tom Cruise's. I want to release this movie that has no political views whatsoever. It's a hundred percent pro USA action. It was everything. And then they released it and it just went, it just went just freaking astronomical. But I think they did delay it for a long time because yeah. of COVID. Yeah. Like they, they, they were going to, um, from what I read, they were going to like release it. Then COVID happened, then they delayed it. And then when COVID was through, then they were going to do a direct to like HBO or yeah. something thing. And then they said, no, we're, whoever, somebody insisted that it had to go to yeah. theaters. So they delayed it until then. And then, then they released it. But like, I think that movie, it would like, if you released it even before COVID, that thing would have been just free. Yeah. I mean, it really did like, because of the, because it wasn't anything but a good story around like it's a good action film it's just it's just cool but yeah i digress and my i, I so loved the end when the old f-16 when they found the old f-16 the that F-14. was just like f-14 i'm yeah. sorry the f-14 just i was like that's beautiful what a beautiful way to end well, i movie. mean look it's cheesy as hell but like Come on, man! It's it's a, it's a good it's the good kind of cheesy, right? You're like, yes, right. You're like, sweet. <laughs> it's like it's like Footloose. Nobody likes to admit they like Footloose, <laughs> but I like Footloose. I like Footloose. It's a great movie. Kevin Bacon, man. Wait a minute. So you're going Top Gun Maverick is like Footloose. I'm not saying that one is as good as the other, though, right? But I'm like, if you're looking for like a layer of cheese that is acceptable on a movie, Footloose is one of those movies. Like you're watching Footloose and the whole time you're watching it, you're like, this is implausible. Like nothing about this, but it's entertaining enough with John Lithgow, Kevin Bacon for you to be like, all right, I'll watch. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) you there's no way you're gonna tell me you didn't like footloose i'm not saying you were dancing in the living room while you were watching it no i mean (laughs) i don't even remember footloose i I watched it one time maybe to see it and that was it you need to watch it again no i don't really do it's not one of those movies like oh i want to watch footloose no i don't think about that don't watch don't don't watch the remake it's a popcorn burnt turd is what it is but the original Footloose, you know, another broken arrow. Christian Slater okay, and, well, and, and John Travolta. Yeah. I that mean, movie that, was, that was slathered right. in Velveeta, dude. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, well, it was. But good enough to watch, right? Good enough to enjoy. There's a lot of those movies, right? Sorry. All right, I digress. Broken Arrow, dude. <laughs> Freaking Footloose and Maverick. What are you talking about, dude? I'm not things. saying that. The, I'm not saying Maverick Top Gun is 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 as or Footloose is as good or even close. I'm just saying. I know what you're saying. You know, it's, it's kind. It's still nuts, man. Crazy, dude. <laughs> but it's great. It really is. Like you know, it's. <sighs> look, you know what? Man. It's not as okay. <laughs> uh oh. It's not as great. <laughs> but our sponsor's pretty cool. I know. So maybe we should <laughs> so maybe we <laughs> should let our sponsors speak. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
Are you a small business or solo entrepreneur looking for more of a presence online? Technology is ever-changing, and with more and more people spending most of their time on screens, it's important to have your brand out and about, getting the most exposure possible. Worried about not having a big budget for website design or social media? At Edwards Managed Technology Computer Consulting, we cater to every business or solar entrepreneur's individual needs to come up with a plan that works for your product and your wallet. Interested in learning about how we can manage your online presence so that you can spend your time doing what you love to do instead? Visit www.emtcc.net to make an appointment or give us a call at 1-888-551-2770. Mention R&B Talks for 10% off your appointment. Remote and on-site options available. Welcome back. Hey, welcome back after <laughs> We're that. We're still having. After that monotonously ridiculous yet, I think, hilarious <laughs> exchange about 80s movies and spiders and all the things that go along Bad with up it. Satan. The sp- Bad up Satan. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, Reggie, what are, wh- uh, here's a question. What are our topics today? We don't have a topic. Nah, we have- well, look, we're going to talk about, and we, we probably don't have enough time to talk. About- That's okay, man. <laughs> We probably just blew everything around, but uh, Thanksgiving and a little bit about music in general. Okay. Now let me say this: so, so the plan, the, our plan is, um, because it's Thanksgiving, we want to talk a little bit about that, and really not. I mean, look, everybody can Google Thanksgiving and know what that was about and all yeah. that stuff, but really just about how we do Thanksgiving and everything, what we think about, and then music though. So, because what we want to do is, we kind of want to like. Talk about music because we both we're both into music in some in different well different ways, but yeah. still. And then um, I'm, I'm gonna, I have to try to figure out how to do these like reaction videos. So we'll yeah. take some tunes and like like listen like to it. them and and watch, uh, like watch them and and talk about it too while we're doing it. So I got to figure out how to do that. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's what we're doing here, man. We're gonna we're gonna talk about those two things. So, so Thanksgiving, what are you gonna do? What does your normal family tradition for thanksgiving reggie well so nowadays i'm i'm the i cook the turkey and meat stuff now um because i want to ask you what meat stuff is well no because it depends <laughs> like um brisket for this year i'm doing i'm smoking oh. a brisket for this year and then like before i've done like some ribs and and i've done uh, a roasts and i've done like a ham and i've done all these different things and turkey, right? Okay. So the turkey, like, uh, we, so I used to fry the turkey. I bought, I have a turkey fryer. I have all that stuff. Uh-huh. Can fry it. And it was really good. But then I, my, my big green egg, though, I found okay. the, the like secret sauce with how to do the turkey on the big green egg. And it is the, like, I herb brine it, um, with like perfect, perfect brine or something from Amazon. And then, uh, it gets injected with like a garlic butter mixture. Um, I put like some Kent Rollins original seasoning all over the top of it and in it a little bit and all this stuff. And it goes on that big green egg for about four hours. Okay. Dude. I'm going to start writing this down. It's, I, wanna... I actually spatchcock it too. All right. So explain what spatchcocking is. So so you you I cut out the vertebrae, okay, of the bird. And then you kind of, you splay it open and that, you can take the breastbone out too. That helps a little bit. So it's just like you're, instead of, instead of that bird sitting on the, the grill, like as a whole, you're actually flattened it out. 
Okay. What what that did for me though is it helps like even cook everything a lot more, especially on that big green egg. The the big green egg is like it it holds it is just a moist meat thing. Like it, it it you will it really does a great job of keeping everything like really nice and moist in when you're cooking it. So when you do it evenly like that, it is just it is it is it. That is the way you put it off. You let it rest for a little bit, and man, it's it's golden, dude. So so that's what we do. We do that okay. now, and it's better than fried turkey. Like we, everybody wants that more than they want the fried turkey. Well, I find that fried turkey is is only good if the person or individual knows exactly how to fry it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, dude, don't be over frying the turkey. Like I've had somebody like over fry one, and it just doesn't taste good. Well, you can burn it. I mean, it's it's not. It's, it just, well, but you can also because it's, it's oil, they could just yeah. You can also make it a little too just tough in general. Yeah, like you can dry out a turkey. Sure, a you can. I know now, it sounds weird, but you can. Well, we we did two turkeys last year. They wanted they wanted two turkeys last year. So instead of doing like a brisket or something, they wanted two. I did a fried turkey and I did the big green egg turkey. Great gravy, two turkeys. That's a lot of turkey. Yeah. But we, we have everybody, so we go over to my in-law's place, right? Okay. I mean, and so we have Thanksgiving over there. So there's quite a few people. So just so you know what I just did, I just texted my wife and said, we're going to your in-law's you for turkey because it's going to be amazing. And it's, it's ridiculous. I was like, well, even if we have to go to your family's a little bit and then go to Reggie's, we'll get all the turkey, right? Like, we'll share in the, in the, in the joy. Of the turkey, because you well, sound like you're cooking up some good vittles. Oh, oh, dude, I'm telling you, man, the 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 brining the turkey and then and then not over brining it, be brining it. It's like 20 hours, right? And then you then you take it out, you let it, you, you make sure you get all the brine off. Or in in some cases, though, I think one year we left the because it's still the herb brine has like all this like big chunks of rosemary and stuff all over. So I think. I think one year we even left it like we're not putting all that off. That's good stuff. We just like, cooked it like yeah, it was freaking awesome too. But the, being in the brine is critical for the bird, and then injecting it with the garlic butter everywhere, man. And then Dude, you I just, dig it. You just cook it slow. You make sure you know you're not you don't overcook it. It's freaking phenomenal, bro. It's it's so good, dude. And then nice. I wrap it. And it sits. And, you know, good. Now, this year, the brisket, so the brisket I'm doing the day before, because I actually, you're going to find this a little nerdy. So I took, I took my, um, I have like a Thermoworks signal thing. It's got all these probes and stuff and I can put it in there, right? And I can see it on my app. I know. So and it has grass. So, so, so you, you probed a turkey? I probed a turkey. Okay. <laughs> but, in the, so what I wanted to do was see, like, if I put the oven on warm, how, like, what, because I really need something to hold something for like at 150 or so for hours. Okay, so you're brining it for 20 hours, right? The turkey. The tur- turkey. Okay, now my next question is, after a 20-hour brine, what is your cook time? So after the after that, it comes out, we season it, then it'll probably get put back in the fridge until the next day because we'll, we'll cook the turkey on Thanksgiving Day. Okay. On Thanksgiving Day, it goes in to the big green egg, and it'll go in there for, it depends on how big the turkey is, three to four hours. Okay. And I usually cook with the big green egg, so I got the um, 
I forgot what brand it is. It's like a real hardwood lump charcoal and hickory chips or something. You know, okay. whatever. It's really whatever chip wood I got around. I don't really, you know, you could you could use any number of stuff, but I, I got some hickory, so I'm gonna put some hickory chips in there. So and then that'll that'll smoke or whatever for three to four hours. Come off, let it rest for an hour or so, at least an hour, um, and then it'll be ready to serve. Nice. Brisket goes on Wednesday, the Wednesday um, before that. Yeah, because you smoked that all night, right? Well, no, that's what I'm saying. I I don't want to smoke it all night. I'm I'm having issues with my alarms and stuff. Not because I did a pork, a Boston butt, is the other day, and it got done, but it didn't. My phone didn't go off. It was I knew it was going to be real early in the morning. And usually, if I put the say alarm at such and such temperature, my phone will start beeping and stuff, and I'll wake up. So. I woke up, I had my alarm set for like early anyway to check on things just in case, but it went off and it, and I looked at my phone and it'd been, been shooting off the high alarm for like an hour. So it was like way overcooked. And, uh, we tried it anyway. It, it had really good flavor, but it was too dry. It was just that too. So anyway, so what I'm going to do is I took the time. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I took like a, a, a grill, pro, one of the pit probes and I put it inside my oven to see like, how the like open the door at certain levels to see like what I could do in order to keep an average temperature of like 150, 160 degrees. Nice. So that it's because the warm like if you go to a barbecue restaurant, most of the time they're they've got they've cooked all that stuff the day before. It's been in a warming oven for like 12, 14 hours or something. So as long as that meat stays above 140, uh-huh. it's fine. But okay. you don't want to get too high, then you're going to cook it some more. So well, then you're going to dry it out. Then too. you're going to dry it out. So you got to keep it in this 150, 160 range, right? Okay. So I had to. So I know what my oven is. So now I can cook the brisket on Wednesday during the day. Take it out at like, you know, ten o'clock or something at night. What and try to plan it out to where that's when it comes off. Rest it a little bit to let the let the cooking die down a little bit. And then what I'll do is once it gets to about like 160 or something, I'll put it in the warming up on the oven. I'm warm with the lid open, how far I need it to go, and then let it rest in the oven, all wrapped up and everything until the next, until we're ready to go. And then I'll put it in a cooler and all that stuff. I buy my turkey pre-cooked from the JC if I have to, because I ain't, uh, dude, let's be honest. I can grill anything on a flat iron. I can grill anything. But I ain't cooking nothing. Like I'm not a stove cook. Um, I just never have been talented at that. Um, if there was a way to grill everything on Thanksgiving, I think I could get away with it. But um, you know, the thing I th- think I most appreciate about Thanksgiving, and and I don't mean this across the board. I feel like it's the only holiday left that hasn't been completely commercialized, right? Like I get, I mean, you get okay. grocery store ads, right? You know, but you don't have like the Grinch that stole Thanksgiving. You don't have, you know, they've managed to commercialize the day after Black Friday, but they just haven't. For some reason, that holiday has held as a family gathering holiday. Yeah. Right. So, and. I think that's the reason why I still kind of have an affinity for it, right? I mean, 
it certainly stinks to be traveling all over the place, right? Like when you have split families and you're running all over the place, but like now that we're here where we are, we have our family in Georgetown and here, right? So it's not a hard travel, right? 15 minutes. But when you're, when you're doing that hard burn two and a half hours, one way, then an hour this way, then three hours back, it just becomes, it just takes all the joy out of it. Right. Like, and it's not that I don't love seeing all the family. I love seeing all of our family, but for me, it's just so, it's so taxing and so weighty and it makes you tired all the time. Right. Like you're, dude, we went out. My first marriage was holidays were brutal, bro. We were, we were actually flying around, you know? So it'd be like, go to, we were in, we'd go down, uh, to New York and stay there for a little bit. Then we go down to, um, come back to here and stay here and then go to, it was like four or five different places sometimes. (sighs) Not in one day, obviously, but like for us, it's one day. Yeah. Like it's a, it's this, it's this psychotic scrambled, all right, we got to get up early in the morning and we got to drive over here and then we're going to eat like a brunch lunch for Thanksgiving and then you're full, right? You're full. And then you go to the next place and you're still full and you got to eat again. Yeah. And then you're you're like you're miserable. You're eating, but it's like some kind of weird eating contest. <laughs> How much Thanksgiving food can I cram into my gullet and get back to the house and survive? Right. And that's the the tough part. Right. So, but I mean, I, I feel like looking at the holiday, there are no Thanksgiving song. Well, I take that back. Adam Sandler's got the Thanksgiving song, but Hey, one song, there's no, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty basic. If you can serve a Turkey and stuffing and some rolls and some, yams, yeah, turkey's not, turkey's not easy, dude. I, mean, I know, but it's still not. I mean, if you think about it, even a big turkey's not that expensive, right? Well, not expensive, but like it's, just, it's not one of those things that breaks your family to do. No, right? And and I feel like, but I kind of feel like there, <laughs> the buzzards are a hover because there are no other there are no other holidays to subsidize, right? Like you can't do Fourth of July. We already know what's going on. You spend a bajillion dollars on fireworks. You, you know, all the other holidays, Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, we don't. But Thanksgiving's still really just a family oriented. Everybody gets together, you know, has a meal, enjoys each other's company, checks in, you know. But I mean, there are so, so, and I've been here where Thanksgiving couldn't be this smorgasbord of stuff. Yeah. And so it really, I mean, look, it's really just about, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. Hell, I could cook out hot dogs and freaking, yeah. you know, something stupid. Beans and dogs and, and be fine. Or not, rock and roll. Whatever. Peanut butter sandwiches, dude. Yeah. Whatever the hell you need to do. But it's just about being thankful for your family. I yeah. Mean, for what you got and what, you, what you're looking forward to. But the thing, the thing that bothers me, though, is I guess. It's not really a one day thing. I mean, like you should be thanks have be thankful every single flipping day. Very true. Very you true. know, I mean, like, and so for me, it's really not okay. It's not really about thanks. Thanks at this point because it's like I'm I'm thankful all the time, and I'm I'm making an effort to be that all the yeah. time. Uh, it's actually one of the one things I can I can say <laughs> that uh, I do every single day is be thankful, but. 
it's it's really this time is just when you just get together and you you can it's just an it's just another way you can pull your family together or whatever and have stuff absolutely and it doesn't matter man like i've had some thanksgiving where it was just me and my wife at the time or it was just me and my brothers we did we did just did we just we didn't cook anything i think we had chinese food or something you know for some years i mean there's and then there's other years where i went to like four or five places on the same day yeah you know and it's just you know, it's just a matter of you just you just take advantage of whatever you can. Well, and, you know, <clears throat> I think that, you know, we need to remember those words. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And it works both ways. We want to give thanks for what we have, but we also want to be thankful in giving. Right. Like there's been times where. You know, I've had friends in my life who were going through a hard time and I've left my family. This was probably before I was married, but I left my family and went to them and spent part of that day with them. Yeah. Right. You're yeah. struggling. You're having a hard time. And and we usually wound up at like a hole in the wall Chinese restaurant or we wound up at like, honestly, like. I can't even remember the name of it. Ryan Steakhouse. There you go. Just sitting and talking and giving something to someone else that that they don't have, right? Like, um, you know, I used to get on, and Lord knows I have my issues with my mother, but every Thanksgiving and Christmas, my mother would find someone to bring home who either didn't have family or didn't have a place to go. If it was on Thanksgiving, they broke bread with us. They had a meal. We treated them like family. And on Christmas, she would have a gift for them. She would have, you know, a, a, something to eat, a place to be, right? So I feel like we forget. I feel like we forget that, you know, holidays like Thanksgiving and Christmas need to be times where we're giving as much as we're desiring to be given to, right? Like, you know, I, I mean, one of the things that I really wish that we had could see more of. And I know with COVID it kind of slid off because everybody was afraid you'd give the turkey cooties, but you know, where we would go into these food drives or go to food, go to a food kitchen, man, and help. Right. Um, the, you know, if anybody knows a good one here in our parts, I'd love to know because I'd love to take my sons there and serve. Right. Um, but it's not those. So, okay. Here's the thing about that. Um, those aren't the days where they need the help. I, I know what you're saying. But I feel like those days are great days to have that reminder that you should be helping. Right. Yeah. But because but a lot of people you're going to get turned away, though, is what I'm saying. There's so many people who choose to go like Thanksgiving. We're going to go serve at this kitchen. Yeah. Christmas. We're going to go serve at this, the whatever. So th those are days specifically where people are already lining up to, to do service stuff. Yeah. I'm not saying you shouldn't. That's not all. Not at all. Because you still need people, obviously, to serve. You yeah. know, but but if you you really want to want to see what it's like, you go you go serve on like Saturday. Yeah. Like I, I when uh, this was back before I got married. We used to me and a couple of friends used to go serve at the homeless shelter every Friday night for dinner. And man, you really want to see. They're at the end of their week. They're struggling. They've been sleeping on the street. They've been really fighting and 
you know, going through their life and you go in there, man, and, and you're the only, you're serving them a hot meal. You know, one of the things I appreciated about the shelter that we worked at, and it was mainly a lot of addiction problems that had led to homelessness, which was what the shelter was for. Um, they told us not to talk to them about their addiction. They said, you're here to serve them a meal, treat them with kindness, sit down and have a conversation with them, but don't beat them up about being an addict. Don't beat them up about being on the streets. Mm -hmm. Just spend time with them, right? And what was really cool was when you would sit down with these guys, it would always take a second, right? It was a little awkward in the beginning. But once the ice was broken, these were some of the most genuinely kind people you would ever meet in your life. They had just hit a spot where things went sideways and it just got out of their control. And you would listen to their stories and you would listen to the fact that I remember listening to a guy one night who, man, his wife died. His, his, his wife died. His daughter was an adult. Um, his daughter blamed him for the death of his wife, even though it was from, I think she had cancer and he went bankrupt and wound up living in his car. And then, the car got towed. So he wound up living in the street and it just kept domino effect, right? Bam. One other thing right after another thing. But you know, he had, he given up. No. Did he think there was redemption? I, I probably would say if I was to get down to the heart of it, he probably would say no, yeah. but those are the stories you listen to and you're like, Oh yeah, I get it, man. And I know why you're here now. Right. So um, yeah, I think you're right. You, you need to be looking in a way for a way to give every day. Right. I think that's the way to go. I used to do a lot with exit zero, which is an organization around here that does like a lot of the, they go around to a lot of the camps and they do a bunch of stuff, especially during the winter. You'd, you'd take, um, like we, we make up a big, one of those big like Gatorade things of hot water so we could make hot chocolate for people as we went around or something or, or whatever, or tea or something. Right. And we'd have like a packets of stuff or whatever. It was just stuff that had been donated. We'd go around and do all that. And part, it, it was all kinds of things, which was, what was <clears throat> cool about this patrol that he would do. His name is Paul. Um, we'd, we'd go around and just like stop here, stop here. We'd serve like a meal at this one place that was doing it. And then we go here and then we go here. It was really neat, but you know, there was a lot, there was, a, there's a lot of them. I'm just getting off topic a little bit, but there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of the homeless people that just don't care. They just don't care that they're homeless. They just don't care. Yeah. There's some that are there. They know they have some real serious stuff going on, um, and they just don't want any help. Um, there's some really people with some severe mental problems. Yeah, that you know because I was a little bigger guy, I was the guy who said like, you, are you okay with going to talk to that guy? He can be a little violent. And it's like, well, yeah, I guess I will. <laughs> and you know, you're, you're walking in there knowing that this guy may see you as something and you know, whatever, but there's, there's all kinds of things, man, that go on in, in these little, especially the tent communities and stuff. You just don't know what the hell's there, but um, I've, I've cleaned them out. Uh, done all kinds of stuff, dude. But but I don't regret any of that. I mean, in in what's what's the wrong thing to do? I'll tell you this right now. It's like if you were to just come up and give one of them like a hundred bucks, no, no, <laughs> don't do that. No, 
You know, they're that's not the wrong. Do, they're not going to do the right. No, thing. No, that's the it, wrong. Right? Thing. And it's not that you're not that you're saying they're uh, they're lack the intelligence of that. But um, there's a lot of them that have some real issues that are. Well, if you, you really want to do something for them on the spot, go buy them a meal and bring it to them. Here's that's a it. sub sandwich. Here's a drink. Here's some chips. Here's here's uh, you know a dollar fifty for bus fare, right? So you can go to someplace warm and eat this, right? Don't, you know, because a lot of times they just, they haven't eaten. They don't, they haven't, they're not doing the right things for their bodies. And they're out there just on the street trying to survive. And a lot of it is, you know, just a gesture, right? Just say, hey, man, I see you, right? Because a lot of them don't feel seen. It's really, a you know. I feel like when you go to cities who have a large homeless population and I'm not going to, I'm not picking on Chicago, but I've spent some time in Chicago. Um, there's a very large homeless population in Chicago and a lot of them, man, they just don't feel seen at all. They just feel like part of the scenery, man. They're not, you know, and just to make a gesture, Hey, Hey brother, I see you. Hey sister, I see you. Here's a meal. Eat, be full relax, you know, you're fed right now. Right. Like, but you're right. I mean, handing somebody a hundred bucks is not smart. No. Um, you know, but also make an offer to take them to a shelter or get them to a shelter. Hey man, can I get you an Uber to a shelter place warm to sleep? Right. Something. Right. Okay, but I, I would say though, if you got kids in the car, don't do that. Well, I'm talking about like get them an Uber or a cab. Okay, but what I'm saying yeah. though, you know, people, right. people, people have to know, and because some of these people aren't, it's not that inherently they're dangerous, but there's some of them that can be. Yeah, you know? for sure. And so it's but like you also have to have a little bit of a radar, right? Like, yeah, but I'm saying, you know, just just I've known people who their heart's bigger than their head, for sure, and they would, you know, do something kind of silly and get themselves in trouble so i mean not that you know but anyway thanksgiving Mm -hmm. it's a it's a beautiful holiday i I think it's really cool i just i wish people would kind of keep that in mind throughout the whole year um maybe use it as a reminder i mean that's the thing i mean maybe if you've forgotten look around you on thanksgiving and look at what you have to be thankful for and just remember that Others aren't as lucky as you are, right? Others may be struggling. Remember that you need to be looking for those opportunities daily, yep. right? So, um, and they'll present themselves too. I mean, if you're listening and you're alert, those opportunities, those opportunities to help someone will present themselves, right? So we used to do, I used to do a bunch of gigs. Like it used to, you mean, you know, this year was usually like, there's a lot of playing out. Um, not, you know, not that it was any different, but there is a difference of like what, <laughs> when you're going, when you're doing like the, the musician stuff professionally, like this time of year was kind of rough because it'd be like, you never know if it was going to be ice on the ground or whatever. So sometimes it was hard to even get to the freaking gig and then it'd be snowing and you're already there. And then you're like, no one shows up and, <laughs> Yeah, those are like, those are some stuff hard staying. I mean, when if you're playing with a reputable band, though, they're usually like a guarantee or something. So at least you didn't you didn't walk out of there empty. But um, 
but there's a lot of times if you're if you're playing for like uh percentage of bar or something like that some places will do that um the the winner gets a little weird because it's like you, you go to a cool place and you think it's gonna be all right and then it's like bam nope <laughs> but friday like i know around here the biggest time for that kind of stuff is derby or uh, kentucky derby for those who are not uh familiar with around the little metro area but um second to that you know, I think it's the Thanksgiving weekend. There's a lot of people coming in town and all that kind of stuff. So it's I don't big, know. I'd say Thunder weekend. Yeah, Thunder week is pretty good. The whole well, what I mean by Derby, the whole Derby festival type of period from beginning to end. Yeah, okay. Is gotcha. like is pretty busy for because Thunder's kind of the kickoff for Derby, right? Yeah. So yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I've done New Year's Eve. Obviously, New Year's Eve gigs were were are pretty beneficial, but um. Seems like I recall playing on Thanksgiving weekend though a lot. You know, I don't remember. I mean, I do, but it, and, and anyway, those are those are like cover band gigs where you just go playing it, you know, wherever, and you're just setting up for a while. You know, there's usually a, quite a few people that are out and about on like Friday night and Saturday night and stuff, partying and stuff after their Thanksgiving stuff. So pretty cool. But I guess that leads into our next topic of music. Music. So I was intrigued when we talked about this, Reggie. I was intrigued about this because I'm, for me, music is, you know, I've told my wife the story a few times. I don't know if I've ever told you the story, but growing up wasn't great for me. <laughs> and, uh, but my uncle Kenny, man, um, it was like he was psychic. Like when it would get really hard, he would show up. And he had he lived in a duplex in Nicholasville, Kentucky. And he would pick me up, and his roommate was a guy named Dale Wilson. And they would take me to their house. And um, it was great because Kenny would buy me whatever I wanted to eat. He'd buy me, you know, bottles of Pepsi. And he'd let me stay up late and watch television. He had cable, and I could watch all the cool movies and shows. And he would hang out <laughs> with me. And um, But he had a monster record collection. Like, I mean, I don't know if it was that I was a kid and it just looked massive, but I would sit for hours, man, and just listen to album after album. And he and I would talk about it and I would read the album covers and music has always been something that soothes me when things are stressful, right? Like when things are haywire and, and life's going at a thousand miles an hour and I'm hanging on by the short and curlies. Um, music would soothe me, man. Like it would bring me peace. You know, I remember um, the first time he played dark side of the moon for me. And it was like, I went to another world. Like when that album started playing, um, people ask me all the time why that's my favorite kind of secular music album i don't think it has anything to do with the album itself being great which it was it was an excellent album it was the what it meant to me in that time of life when i was you know my mom was all over the place and you know i didn't have any security and you know sometimes you know sleeping in mom's car and whatever was going on at that time man yeah that album just kind of blew blew my doors off right and then 
going into the 80s, which, you know, when the 80s were around, I kind of hated that decade of music a little bit, especially in the beginning because of all the electronic music and, you know, all the things. But then I really learned to kind of appreciate the transformation of music, right? And then, you know, going through the decades, just listening to, you know, going through the grunge era and then the, the new metal era and then, you know, bands like Tool and Metallica that had just kind of that, you know, just musically were doing some crazy awesome things. And music has always been this thing that, you know, when nothing else will calm me down, music will calm me down. Um, and I feel like I have a struggle. And my struggle is as a, as a man of faith, and this is no, and, and, and I want to say this, this is no knock on any Christian musician or any worship band or anything like that. Whether it be a big worship band with big music or whether it's your small church worship band, I see people just, just hands in the air praising. It doesn't hit me that way. I'm not saying I don't enjoy it, right? Like, I, I can appreciate the musicianship and all the work that goes into it. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't hit me that way. And and at times I feel really kind of on the on the fringes because I'll see everybody. They're just they're just dang, just absolutely in this just deep worship. And I'm like, eh, it's all right. It's good. I like it. It's cool. You know. Well, when you mentioned this before, when we were talking about worship, yeah, I mean, I still don't. I mean, I still say what I said then too. I mean, it doesn't matter, man. I don't think it does, but but I, think I it almost you, would though. like to know what that feeling is, right? Of you know, for me, somebody asked me one time. They said, "What's the best feeling you get from being a Christian?" And mine is when I'm reading my Bible and. I get clarity, right? Like I'll understand a verse in a way I've never understood it before, or it'll, it'll line up with something that I, that's going on with me. That's, that's, yeah. you know, that's where I feel that, that connection. Right. So I know that that's, you know, it's different for other people. I know I'm not the only person out there that feels this way, but as far as music in general goes, for me, it's always been kind of an escape, Right. You know, world's crazy. Everybody's driving me nuts. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, kind of sink into this, you know, Genesis or Pink Floyd album or Yes album or Buffalo Springfield or whatever it is I'm listening to at that point, right? Um, okay, but but no, th there's nothing wrong with that though either. Yeah, Brian. I don't I mean, think there is either. Like it, it again, music is gonna. You, your your experience with any kind of musical thing is going to be a, re, a a product of your experiences with music throughout your whole life. It doesn't matter if that's a um, a Christian oriented thing or not. I mean, it really doesn't. It's it's you know it's it's a product of how you how you think about music. Because if I mean, look, if someone because there's people that don't like music. Oh, dude, I've met them. Right. I mean, so they're not going to be moved by some kind of worship song. Yeah. Why would they? It's it's freaking, I mean, you know, they can listen to the words and maybe the words will touch them. But, I mean, it's not like the music itself is not going to move that kind of person. It's okay. 
doesn't yeah. have to. God makes all kind of different people. Yeah, you know? for sure. But so question. All right, here we go. We're going to bloodsport this bad boy. <laughs> um, all right. As a man of faith, do you think there is a proper or improper relationship with secular music, regardless of the era? And what do you, if so, what do you think that problem would be? So, yes, there is a proper relationship kind of uh, involvement. Yes. Um, I don't think you want to here. Here's what, here's what I think. Why would you let something that is anti-God, whether it's clearly that or not, just by the way it's suggesting doing things or talking about people or whatever that is and the antithesis of what the biblical idea is, why would you let that taint or or why would you want to listen to that? Example. Okay, WAP. By, all um, right, are you doing like a Porky Pig imitation? No, no, WAP. Or, no, no, no. Oh, okay, I got you. All right, WAP. Got it. WAP or right. WAP or whatever the hell you Whatever are. it is, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and here's no. my here's why I asked that question. Growing up with my experiences in the church, oh, listen to rock and roll music. It's from the devil. No, that's not true. Okay. Um, you, now you, you can't find proof of that anywhere, and nor can you look. I've had people try to distill down like a distorted guitar as being satanic because of the way that the waveframes are and all this stuff. I've, ha- I've I've gone down this road, dude. No, that doesn't make any sense because there, there's na- like God has created sounds purely in nature that aren't harmonic. Well, the world resonates. What's what I'm musically. saying? Like there's 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 no there's no bounds to the waveform that God will use. I'll yeah. put it that way. So no, that's not true at all. Right. Now you can say a certain scale or timber or something like that may help you interact better or may have a clear may help you see something in a clear manner. But that doesn't mean that that is the only way to have music because that's not that's not true at all. Well, I mean, and and the argument has always been for me is rap music. I don't necessarily think it's the it's the genre of music that's the issue. I think it's the intent in the genre, right? Um, an example would be, and dude, I'm gonna date myself when I say this. <laughs> Take DC Talk for instance. They were a Christian rap group. They rapped about God and your relationship with God and and the things that go on in your life and faith. So I think their intent determines the the validity of their music, right? But as you had pulled out WAP or WAP or whatever it is, there is a specific intent to that music. And it is to create what I would consider anarchy, right? So, yeah, I believe that there's some music. And also, I believe that there's some stuff I'm like, where is the i believe in the creativity of music does that make sense yeah like in and if you're if 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 you are going to filter it down to just vulgar chaos 
it's then at my, that point I don't actually consider it music. I consider it noise. Right. All right. So I'm going to play this and I'll hopefully be able to overdub this audio into a little bit of this. Okay. Okay. Um, so I'm going to, let me show you. Let me let, let you listen to this here real quick. I'm gonna play it here for this. Is just a little clip. Pluto and Jupiter, Mercury, Saturn, Venus, and Mars. Back to the Earth, it shows in the trees. Each of the leaves blows in the breeze. Locusts and bees, ocean and seas. All the result of Jehovah's decrees. Observe the way His word creates, preserves and shapes, determines fates, reverberates at urgent rates. The Earth it shakes with fervent quakes. Imagine it. I can't explain the half of it. Our brains can't even fathom it. And language is inadequate. The character rides alone on the throne with spiritual eyes. The story is known. From him and through him and to him is everything. Show me the God of the glory alone. Shy. Okay. Shylin ran. Yeah. That dude can throw down, and it is just gospel laid down. Yeah. And it's rap, hip hop, yeah. whatever you want to call it, right? Love his stuff, right? Now, I don't really care for his, he wrote a book, and I don't really care for his BLM type of nonsense, but, but, like, I love his stuff, and it's rap music. Yeah. I mean, he's got one called False Teachers. It's a great song that, like, tears into all these lunatics and the prosperity gospel yeah. you know stuff like that lecrae's got some really good stuff yeah i, I was gonna say I, I really really like lecrae some of it i don't you know i don't i think some of his i think some of his theology is wrong <laughs> well <laughs> to but, be honest but i mean what what i like his songs some of his songs are pretty good right i mean yeah. and that's those are those aren't contemporary christian worship you know music stuff or whatever well, and it's not that i'm saying that there's anything more valid about contemporary Christian or, but I think, I think what I, what I'm looking for is where do we draw the line? And is it a big, bold line or is it a fine line? Right? Like, because I've listened to some guys who claim to be faith-based, but they don't, what they're saying has nothing to do with the faith. Well, okay, right? look, you're, you're, Whatever you're doing as an artist, if you're claiming it's faith-based, has to resonate with the, th the 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 actual gospel message. Yeah, the theology of it. Yeah, right? I mean, whatever that may be. So, I mean, that okay, that's heretical because you're putting out something you're saying is, but it's not. Yeah. But there's not a type or style or or, or genre of music that I would say is like, you know, right or wrong. You know, whether it be blues, jazz, classical, rap, death metal. I mean, look, if you're if you're lyrically and intentionally with in line with what the scripture says, it doesn't matter what style that is. You're gonna hit different people with that. Yeah. I, I mean, I know a lot of people look, here's the thing. Coming from uh a heavy music background with everything I've done and playing drums so much and in and, and all kinds of things. Some of the coolest people I've known are metalheads. Yeah. Who just like, and they, it's not, I'm not talking like people who just like, you know, like Dragon Force and Phantom, you know, fantasy metal type of stuff, mm -hmm. like hard freaking death metal, gonna crunch your face in type of stuff, right? I mean, and they're the coolest people I know. That kind of music resonates with them. And I mean, regardless of if you think that's right or wrong. So why would you not have, a, a a music like that that is theologically accurate got spitting gospel but in a metal scenario is beyond i mean why wouldn't you do that you know yeah i i think this whole 
I think this whole thing of certain types of genres just based on their sound being of of Satan or of the devil. I think that's I think that's a reactionary way of looking at things, right? You you gotta look at the content. You gotta look at the the body of the work, right? Like, you know, um and a lot of songs really don't have any bad or good intent. They're just songs, right? What's the group? Oh man, now I'm not now uh starts with an S. Rock group, Christian guy. Striper. Well, okay, that's one, but I'm talking about more modern guy. Um Starts with an S. Oh man, no, no. <laughs> I can't think of it now. I'm going through all of like the Christian no, metal it's, bands it's, I know, it's, and oh, okay. For some reason, Creed keeps popping up. Oh in my, my head. lord, no, they were uh, not, they were not Christian. Um, they they talked about being, but they weren't. The uh, but but what I'm saying is like it skillet. Is that what it is? Skillet, yeah. I love Skillet. I love Thousand Foot Crutch. And b- both of those, see, they're not, they've got distorted guitar. What, what yeah. are you saying? Great bands, man. Because the tempo, you're going to say it's not, you know, yeah. or great, what? Great bands, man. But the, the the difference between going from that to like a progressive metal music that is Christian isn't, there's, what's differentiating that? The, there's some harsh vocals, maybe. Okay. Why is that? Why is somebody, maybe they're angry at, at a situation. Maybe that's the, just the way they emote emotion. That's what I'm saying. Song, I mean, right? like, it's like not, it's, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, and, 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 and I think I want to be clear. There are definitely certain types of music that just out and out have no valuable content to it whatsoever. Right? Well, look, there's a lot of the, most of the pop music nowadays is total garbage. Yeah, like it has like the songs are so simple. There's no lyrical content whatsoever that means anything. It is absolutely stupid. You know, Mm. like if you listen to like a Zeppelin tune, Mm -hmm. that's far from Christian, right? But but still, the 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 lyrical content. He's like telling all this, like going through all the story. Well, he's a lot. That's a lot of Tolkien esque, right? Talk, and then you compare that to like a modern day Taylor Swift kind of whatever and it's, it's bucket of garbage yeah man it's crazy <laughs> well i mean a, a modern day band that it man and i'm going taking my son to see them on the 16th of may at the yum center is greta van fleet greta's man they, they got some great music man i mean and and just and it's all kind of that old 70s kind of rock genre they're very zeppelin-esque but listening to their songs i don't get uh untoward messages and lots of you know i think there's but i also think there has to be a certain degree of how much are you buying in the song right like if you're listening to something like you know uh strange days by the doors I'm sure if you try again, if you're looking for something bad, you're going to find it. Well, like you have right? to be able to to have some discernment. Okay. Yeah. Like there's a lot, there is a lot of music I personally listen to that isn't anything wholesome, 
probably now I'm not overtly listening to, I mean, but there's a lot of like the metal stuff I listen to that isn't directly, it's not, it's not religious at all. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's just saying stuff. Yeah. Well, I'm not taking that as, okay, he's telling me the way to live or whatever. I mean, you know, it's, it's, that's not what I'm saying. I think my thing is I'm, I have enough wherewithal in my person to know when I'm listening to something that, yeah, whatever, right? Whatever. What's that? What you got there? That's mercenary. Let me let me throw on one of my. This is gonna be hard for me to edit, but <laughs> we're gonna try it anyway. Here, this is one of my favorites. I love me some mercenary, bro. It's really good. But I, I like a lot of like, you know, Scandinavian metal type of stuff and and, and uh, soil work, mercenary, uh, scar symmetry. Um, I used to like Opeth. And I tell you, here's an ex- Okay, here's a great example. Okay. Opeth was like, I loved, I used to listen to their stuff all the time. Like, it was so cool until they released this album. And I don't remember what I actually don't even remember the name of the album now, but and it was like this one song had this like pre-chorus or chorus or whatever it said God is dead, mm-hmm. and it was like the 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 lyrical thing was like there's a demon in this ear saying God is dead, and what you didn't really it was so pronounced in this God is dead is like this is intentional, and and it wasn't so much intentionally like being anti-Christian or whatever, but. Um, I said, you know what? I think this is the point where I got to bow out. And then so, so, and then they came up with another album later that was like really witchcraft type of stuff, like was weird. I'm like, you know what? This, no. And it was just based on, because I, I, I guess at that point I had enough maturity in my walk with Jesus that I was able to go, you know what? That doesn't sound, that's not, that's not something that I really want to have influence my psyche at the moment. Right. Mm-hmm. So I did. I, I don't really listen to that to them anymore. Some of their older albums, I still get out every once in a while. But I'm saying, like any of the new stuff, no. That's just an example of like using your own, you know, your own relationship, your own your own theological knowledge to go. You know what? That's not that, or just saying that feels wrong. Well, for me, a big band that I really liked was a Perfect Circle. Oh yeah, and. The, the song that pushed me away from them after listening to the lyrics was Judith. And when you listen to the lyrics, it says, you're such an inspiration for the ways that I will never, ever choose to be. Oh, so many ways for me to show you that your Savior has abandoned you. F your God, your Lord, your Christ. He did this, took all you had and left you this way. Still you pray, you never stray. You never, never taste of the fruit. Never thought to question why. When I heard, when I actually sat down and listened to the lyrics of that song, I went, you know what? Probably not going to listen to that ever again. No, I, I didn't. Right? Actually, I, I did. As soon as I, I actually paid attention to what the lyrics yeah. said, I, I don't. And don't get me wrong. I mean, Perfect Circle was, I mean, musically, I mean, beautiful. 
I mean, one of the best metal bands I've heard in a long time. But once I started hearing what what their lyrical content was, I was like, yeah, probably not going to to jump into that. But then you got a band, as I spoke about earlier. Um, and you're, what you're going to have you heard much, Greta? No. All right. So I'm going to play you a song and you're going to wonder if okay, this is. But I need the song in order to overdub over. Okay, top it's highway tune, man. I got you. Who's that sound like? Sounds like old rock. Sounds like Zeppelin. That sounds like Zeppelin. And that's and that's the song about how it's called Highway Tune, man. It's just a song about rocking down the highway, right? Like it's a great song. And that's why I, I listen to them because I don't really feel like there's a whole lot of subversive material in their songs, right? Like it's I guess what I'm saying Yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of secular music that's cool as hell. Yeah. I should, should say For that, sure. Right? Absolutely. I mean, like I love I love a lot of that stuff. I hell I listen to a lot of electronic music. Like um Especially when I'm like really studying and I got like, I really want to get focused. I'll put on like one of these chill lo fi things, whatever, and just freaking have that going on and just roll. And I'm just rolling and, and it helps me focus. Um, dubstep, like, I mean, look, dubstep's kind of weird, but when it's done really well, it's really cool. But that goes back to this electronic thing. I mean, so w- when I was a kid, my dad was, is a, was a weirdo when it came to music stuff. Like, this th- that man was so incredibly talented and like just blessed with like the gift of, of writing songs and like what music was supposed to be and everything. But he was he was as soon as like like electronic stuff came out, <laughs> my dad jumped on the bandwagon, bought this like mono synth Moog with like it had like a it was a suitcase that flopped open and you had all these dials and stuff for it and everything. And like I mean it was it was. my my dad dug into it right so when bands like emerson lake and palmer are out there so nice right so then that's what i'm exposed to when i'm a kid it's like stuff like this and uh especially when it got to like the fusion jazz stuff that was like my dad was like a big chick korean aldiamiola fan right too love chick korea so when i was in high school and junior high and stuff when that was like grunge started and like all my friends were like all pearl jams but i hated all of it I hated Nirvana. I hated it. Couldn't stand it. Like, I was like, this sucks. I was listening to like Chick Corea electric band. <laughs> That's what I wanted to listen to. Dude, I was, I'm not going to lie. Now, now, admittedly, I was not, I wasn't anti Pearl Jam. I wasn't the like hater of Pearl Jam, but my bands were like, you know, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, you know, um, those were the because they they kind of took metal and weaved it in with some melodic tone and took some of the you know still it had this great guitar drive but it still it had this melodic these singers weren't yelling or screaming or they were actually singing right and I was like well huh that's that's interesting it's really why I was a fan of King King's X to be honest with you. I mean, Doug Pennick was an amazing frontman because what was that album they uh, read? Was that the album they did that was just freaking amazing? Dogman? No, Dogman was their best album. Like, like King Crimson. That's one thing well, I did. You're read. thinking King's Crimson? Yeah, yeah. that but was King's X was insane. They were a 
they almost took funk and metal and then an R&B vocal and put it together. And when they did Dogman, I, to this day, can listen to that entire album. And it's just an amazing album, right? And they actually started out as a Christian band. You know, their first album, I think, was Crumbs from the King's Table. Like, and then, of course, later on, Doug Pennant came out as gay and they, yeah, well, they did some things. And, it, you know, but. Yeah, you know, what, what I'm getting at is, like, I was I was really wound up. I was really egotistical about my music stuff when I was younger. Because uh, I was a classical music guy jazz dude that's really what i focused on anything else was just garbage to me kind of thing i, I would listen to dream theater <laughs> but you know really in general i hated most of the stuff tool was cool at that point yeah. but nowadays though it's really like i i i like nirvana i like pearl pearl jam i go back and listen to all those albums that were out one in the 90s that i really dissed on yeah. And love them now, yeah. you know, yeah. like Soundgarden. Well, now Soundgarden I always liked, but Chris Cornell, his he was one of my favorite vocalists of all time. Yeah. And I, a Slave lot of people was a great band. He oh, dude, that, dude. exactly. But so there's a lot of these things that I went back. But there's albums now, though, like modern music. What what I'm what I, my observation though is like I don't have a lot of like artists nowadays and right now that I can listen to their album all the way through. Yeah, for you know sure. what I'm saying. Like, I can pick up a Police album though. Oh, listen to the whole thing. Like, I, I Sting. I can listen to a Sting Star album. Jada, what a great album! Like even um um Steely Dan, right? I used to hate Steely Dan, oh. but I can listen to Steely Dan albums all the way through, right? Yeah, what a um, great album! All these, all these, all these older stuff like are still like stuff you you can just freaking listen to the whole thing. But you don't get that now, and I think that's also because of the way. Especially today, like artists aren't releasing really albums to be sold as an album. They're releasing all these little singles to be put out to for people to buy for like two bucks off of Apple or Amazon or whatever. Well, and honestly, right now, if you really want to hear some good artists, go to Patreon because a lot of these guys are are like skip the record companies, right? Like there are some legit good rock, you know artists on patreon because they're like dude the record company is going to take all the money anyway right so um there's you know there, there's so many more sources to i mean i mean think about it man when we were getting when we were young there was sam goody music go round whatever disc jockey whatever the places were that you would go and buy music right there wasn't really any place else to get music unless you had time to sit there with a boom box and a cassette tape and record off the radio. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So, so now you can source music. I mean, Spotify, I have the deluxe edition of Spotify and I literally have trouble not finding music on there. Like, like, you know, there's the, it's so much more abundant to find nowadays, which for me has, pushed me into finding new and different types of music like the Teskey brothers and you know uh you know there's so many other like not huge bands but just great sounding music man just great sounding music out there well i know dude and i mean one of my one of my drummers i think is phenomenal nowadays his name is chris turner he did this whole thing on um I can't remember if it was Kickstarter or whatever, but it was one of those where it was like, hey, he put it, he put it in. What he did was 
he um he had this thing where it was like every song he was gonna do in one take no triggers no nothing no editing he was gonna do each song and he was gonna play it until he got that one take right and he was gonna release the video of that song him playing it and everything and then that was gonna be the one that was on the album right so so i was like immediately pushed this because i'm like i gotta you know and he's his stuff is so technically challenging like you're like it's crazy and he even did it with a couple different drummers like that would play he did with uh this guy named thomas uh, thomas lang who's like one of my favorite guys too and they would like play off of each other in like real rapid stuff and switching back and forth it was nutso right and it was beautiful dude because it was all him there was no producer well i mean i I don't remember if he produced or not but like they he wrote all the stuff he recorded all the stuff he didn't do any kind of modern like editing or quantizing and all this stuff it was freaking brilliant that was awesome like that is truly cool and I, i mean i hope i hope he got like some significant success off of that but um doing it that way I think is is really slick, right? Um, and especially like if you can get on the if you get on on the beginning of it, like if some if you 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 get like studio vlogs and stuff while they're making it and everything, that would be cool as hell to like sit there and like an yeah. artist you like and they're like you get like a weekly vlog of something. And you're like, oh, this is what we did during this week, or, or like a session or like a short thing or something. That'd be freaking cool. Well, and now have you ever seen Drumio? Yeah. Drumio just had a video, and this to me, this is amazing. This probably isn't amazing to you, but Chad Smith from the Chili Peppers was on there, right? Which, by the way, one of my favorite all time bands, right? Chili Peppers. Chili Pe- I love Chili Peppers. Love Chili Peppers. Yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of 30 Seconds to Mars, right? Like Jared Leto and his brother. I actually think they're a pretty good band, man. And, and Chad Smith, they did a video on Drumio. He had never heard The Kill by 30 Seconds to Mars. So they played the track without any drums. And as they're playing the just the vocal, just the guitar, just the bass, Chad Smith figures out the timing and literally starts 30 seconds into the song and literally without mistake plays the whole song. I did watch that. It was, it was, it was cool. phenomenal, right? I, I will say that there I wouldn't say without mistake, but I would say it was freaking really cool that well, he just but, like. But for to me, without mistake, right? Because oh, I'm not yeah. a drummer, right? So I'm not looking for the, the the small things that you're looking for, and you know. But then they had the guy that was the drummer for Santana on there, and they played a Tool song for him, and he rolls right in, no drum line, comes on, he goes right into playing Schism, like dude, that's that's. That's a God-given talent. Oh, yeah. For you to be able to hear just the lyrics, just the bass, just the guitar, no drum line, pick up your sticks on your kit, too. You're not on the kit that the other guy's playing on, right? You're on your kit. And for you to take that piece of what you hear, that's a God-given talent, man. You know, it's 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 crazy when you learn. So, if, like, when I'm doing a cover band gig or something and you, like, go back and you're, like, doing somebody else's song. One of the things you got to ask is like, you know, how are you going to be, you're going to be genuine with this. Are you going to do it note for note or are you going to maintain the, the, the feel and the, you know, whatever that the artist had, or are you just going to make it your own and do whatever you want? When I came and saw you guys at that big church gig thing and you did, you did 
Don't Stop Believing by Journey, I never heard any difference. You were smoking that song on the drums. Well, that's because I, I had, so modern technology is phenomenal, especially when it comes to like, like notes and stuff. Yeah. So I, when I, when I would play gigs and everything, or well, this because I haven't played a gig in a long time now, but like that last part of my career when I was doing stuff with the church and with all this stuff, my iPad was like, I would have, I was able to do like different programs to like <coughs> almost write out parts and like be able to follow it or, or if it was something where I could just go like four bars of this or whatever. So like I could, it was real easy. And like, I even had like a, a foot switch to go between like pages and stuff. And, uh, and it would just sit like right over here on my kit. And it would like, I even had it where one, the program, uh, I can't remember what the name of the program is, but the outside of this had this led thing around the screen and it would do the tempo for me. Nice. So I would, I would kick off. It would, I would switch to the song. It would kick off the tempo so I could see it. And then I wouldn't have to, you know, it would be there. I can't even put it in my monitors if, if the people let me to, but like, it was, it was really cool. So modern technologies helped a lot with like, learning songs and like performing them and everything else like that. You used to have to do paper and all this stuff and you'd have to have a metronome there and you'd have to like have to tick it off or whatever. Now nah, you can use your iPad, do all this stuff. Now it's freaking crazy, dude. It's crazy. And so I guess what I'm saying is like the, the journey stuff. I love journey, man. Always love journey. And so like when I was like, don't stop believing, I'm like, I got that. I don't even have to learn it. I know it already. Like I can play that song in just because it's, it's, I've heard it so many times. I've listened to it so many times. I've actually played it so many times. It like doesn't matter. Queen, the queen stuff. Yeah. Play queen forever. Like it's like, yeah, but can you play dragon attack? Yes. Oh my gosh. I can play all that stuff. But, but look, here's, okay. A, if you ever want to make my day the happiest day ever. Let me walk in and you play all of Dragon Attack for me. So, but here, here's what I want to say about music though, right now that, that I consider as a musician to be a big deal is that is, it is way too, like, there's so much of it now out on the internet. There's so little being done by promotional efforts or whatever. Dude, it's difficult for somebody who's truly a gifted musician to be just a musician. Yeah. For sure. Now it used to be the case where you had you if you got discovered, that was the key to get discovered. So you you know that's why people were like sleeping in their van and like playing all these shows and stuff because they were trying to like play as much as they could just to just to see if that one guy was going to show up. Well, yeah, right? didn't they? Didn't Jelly Roll like do like a year in like a conversion van with five other guys? Exactly to get discovered. I mean, dude. So nowadays you put out you you know you put out some YouTube stuff and just if it happens to hit the right thing you know it blows up and then now you can have your music career with just youtube videos now and there's stuff. so many people that just strike with one song and then vanish what's what i mean because it's like it's not it's not like it's not set up for a for people to really be true musicians entertainers and stuff like it used to like people aren't going out to concerts like they used to you know, That's they're not true. filling up Wembley Stadium anymore. You know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Genesis isn't going in there. And like, you know, now they could Genesis could still do that. But I'm saying those those kind of bands, these stadium bands and stuff just aren't, you know, it's not really out there anymore. I don't, you know, like the, Taylor Swift coming into town type of crap is like, uh, you know, and she's going to sell a lot of tickets to that for some reason. I don't know why people like her that much, but um, it's annoying. And, and oh, 
Speaking of Taylor Swift, I mean, look, people, <laughs> this half naked type of nonsense that we got from, you know, the female f- superstars of the old, you don't have to wear a bikini on stage and all this nonsense. I mean, why can't you just wear clothes and get up there and sing? Can't you just be a musician on the on the merit of your musicianship? I mean, right? Like, I mean, come on, I man. It. You know, it's like that's there's a lot of stuff. I'm I'm not I'm never gonna go see that. I'm never gonna take my daughters to see that. It's never gonna happen. If you're up there half naked, it's not gonna happen. I don't I don't respect that. That's not no. Very true. You know, the the videos online. If you come up there skinny clad and stuff, forget it. You're not. I'll be honest with you, man. Most genres nowadays I don't recognize. I mean, because let's be honest, rock is dead. Dead as a doornail. I mean, Greta's out there trying to hold it up. You've got some other artists that are really trying hard, like 30 Seconds to Mars, some other guys that are trying to hold rock up. Chili Peppers are still making albums. They haven't made a bad album yet. But anyway, um, but like pop, the genre of pop and the genre of country, you know, I mean, you've got the occasional country artist that's doing like Chris Stapleton. I don't, I don't, I don't mind Chris Stapleton. He's got some good music. I love Chris Stapleton. That dude like he's got sing. some great, like he's, his, 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 his national anthem. It just, it to this day, just. That's the best national anthem ever, dude. You yeah. can't, I mean, that's, the most, that, that's, that's the most American, awesomest national yeah, anthem ever. Like, like, <laughs> like fireworks were firing out of that man's ears while he was singing. Right. But, you, but the genres in general, like pop, country, rock, R&B, I just don't recognize them, right? Like they're they they're not. Um, even into the '90s and the early 2000s, I could still kind of differentiate the genres and kind of pull them apart. But now you don't have to have talent to get a hit song. And no. for me, that's so incredibly disingenuous and ridiculous and just unnecessary to have to you know well think about this dude with with drumming especially and this is what happens in a lot of times now you'll go lay down something okay then they'll take your stuff they'll make it into midi notes they'll quantize everything replace all the drums fix any kind of thing you did and then poof now it's this perfect mechanical quantized drumming thing it's really you played some of those parts but they freaking fixed everything and done stuff and it doesn't it's not you anymore but isn't that the beauty of like good musicianship is the yeah. imperfection of it yeah i mean it, uh, abraxas santana if you listen to that album you can hear some musical kind of off-key stuff right like you can you can when you listen to that album from beginning to end if you're really listening to it there's a couple of you know, drum parts where you can hear they they step. But to me, that's part of the, to me, that's part of the beauty of a, a group of people coming together and playing together. You, you accept that as part of the music, as part of hearing that, you know, there was no, you know, editing back then. You laid it down as best you could. Dude, here's a better example. John Bonham from Led Zeppelin. Intentionally, oh, yeah. you, if you look at his tracks and stuff, you see his placements aren't, dead on yeah you know his snare is always a little bit behind a little bit and all this and he's like how these particular things with his that's why he sounds the way he sounds yeah you would never go back and change that no not at all you know what i'm saying this is this is the, like the godfather of freaking rock 
drumming is. <laughs> I mean, come on. All those things, it's just beautiful. But yeah. but nowadays, man, you don't you don't have to be that way. You know, that's 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 why I was saying the Chris Turner thing was so cool now to like be hell, that was six months ago, right? To yeah. and I mean that's why it was so cool because it was like completely not edited. It was like genuine, it was completely absurd that he played all that stupid. <laughs> but you know, that's 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 what I mean. And but so that's the beautiful thing to a musician, that's not absurd at all. To someone who loves to play their instrument and loves doing what they do, there's no absurdity to that at all. That's just who they are. That's their rhythm of what they do, right? I mean, like when I recorded stuff for my my brother's band, uh, we came from Stars. Which, by the way, you need to look that up. Um, That's some jams. the the one The one tune that I guessed starred, you know, whatever you say, featured on or whatever. That was that was what we did. We didn't. We didn't replace anything. We didn't, you know, we didn't, we recorded this drum set my brother had in his garage. And we, you know, my brother's a magician when it comes to that stuff anyway. But like, you know, we didn't have to, we, I played it until I got it right. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't some wizardry stuff we did to do stuff. Now there's, uh, there's some stuff that was like not picked up right on a mic, I think of something. And we had to move another note around here or something like that. But. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I mean, you know, that's how we did it. Um, so, so I guess what I'm saying is, man, music music is beautiful the way it's supposed to be. And look, there's some cool stuff about um, making some things better through production, and I don't disagree with that. But but I think there's a there, it's too common these days. Um. And there's just not a lot of good soulful music like around that I can see. Now, let me say this. There is that. I mean, you know, you, I, I think there is some really genuine music out there. Um, I think Chris Stapleton is pretty genuine. Oh yeah, dude. His, his Justin his Timberlake, righteous. a very genuine guy. I mean, one yeah. of the few pop singers I'm like, that dude's got it, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, what's your face? <laughs> What's her face? Oh, Look him up, people. <laughs> What's her face? Oh, I can't even think of it. What's um, her face? If you type that into Spotify, just going to give you a heads up. Something <laughs> will probably pop up. I don't know what it'll be. Oh, I can't even. I can't even think of it now. <laughs> oh man, I, I totally bonked that up. That's all right. What's her face? Yeah. What's this? What's this? Give me a song. I'm blanking out, brother. Now I'm done. Lost it. Okay, so, all right, so I'm going to ask you some questions, man. One music lover to another. Okay. This is going to be a test of your of your musical taste. Let's go. All right. Genesis Phil Collins. Genesis Peter Gabriel. Okay, look. I love Peter Gabriel. Okay. I mean, especially his his music after post Genesis stuff. Yeah, <sighs> bro. Yeah, he has some great music. Some Sledgehammer cool was an amazing. Oh, song. there's so many things that are good with that. Yeah, and so I like Genesis Peter Gabriel. I but I think their songs got better. Yeah, when Phil Con- and I think that's part of the times too. Well, I think I think Peter Gabriel was a prog rock band. I think when Genesis at Peter Gabriel. They were a prog rock band. They weren't. 
they weren't a pop radio band at that point. I think when Phil Collins came in and yeah, you know, they started making like more mainstream music. <laughs> I believe that their popularity exploded. But also like Dennis Chambers who came in and played drums for Genesis when mm-hmm. Phil was singing. He's one, I love Dennis, Dennis Chambers, man. It's just oh, so Which good. leads to my next question. Yeah. And this may spark debate. Neil Peart or John Bonham? Who's the better drummer? Neil Peart, by the way. Neil Peart. Pert. Whatever, man. He's dead. I'm trying to show the man some love. They're not better than each other, man. I think they're two completely different styles of drumming. Well, right? that's what I mean. Like, I mean, it, it's. Do I think that Neil Pert could play for Led Zeppelin? No. Do I think that John Bonham could play for Rush? No. I think they were just two different creative forces altogether. I will say that I believe that on a technical level, I think that Neil Pert was probably more knowledgeable and knew more about the melodic side of drumming and how to 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 play that. But I mean, it's very rare that you have a guy that wrote the lyrics. You know, drummers don't normally do that. But I think that if you're if you're looking at from a I think if you're looking from a purely technical aspect, I think Neil Pert was probably a better drummer on the technical end. I think if you're looking at a, just a just a passion driven, just animalistic style of drumming that you felt in every song, like you felt in every single song. I think that John Bonham probably wins. In that okay, fight. but but here's the thing about Bonham: people don't know. I mean, really, he was a tech. He was really technical with what he did. Is because he 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 was influenced by some jazz musics and stuff like that too. So like, there's. There's more there's more to what he was doing than just like you know like his shuffle ugh, all these stuff. I mean there's a, there's a lot of things he did that was just incredibly cool and and really not not brought into that to that rock genre ever before so to speak. So I would say that you know they're both they're both like just top tier world historical genius drummer guys who will go on forever to be known for yeah. that. Right. Yeah. But you know, Neil, Neil, per- I, I, I like, I like Neil stuff. Um, I never was a rush. I just couldn't get over Gailey's vocals, man. I always bothered. Oh, I'm such me, a rush holic, man. I mean, I, l- I listened to it anyway because of that. Yeah. Because of the technicality of it and stuff, but yeah. And, but yeah, dude, there's some other guys too, that are just like technically. Yeah. Are just insane. I mean, um, guys, I st- I've listened to forever. Dave Weckl, um, Virgil Donati, um, uh, Chris Coleman, um, Dennis. Well, Dennis Chambers, of course. Yes, There's, Dennis Chambers is a Billy Cobham was like a huge influence for my drumming anyway. And yeah. there's like all kinds of guys, dude, that were just like it's just un unfreaking real. Well, there's a lot of amazing drummers, man. I mean, there's you know. Going back to Chad Smith, I think everybody underestimates the jazz influences on Chad Smith's drumming. I mean, even when you're looking at what the the rhythmic way he plays with the Chili, chili Peppers, there's a lot of jazz influence in his drumming, man. Like you hear it. His in a is lot mostly of Motown, right? His yeah. his infl- like what well, he's R- he was big into the Motown R and B. Yeah, you know. Um, all right, so next question. Now this is one that has sparked lots of debate within my own home. Greatest musical decade. 
up in your lifetime, what would you consider the greatest musical decade? Well, okay. I think it's the seventies, dude. You think so? For me anyway. It's hard for me because I feel like I feel like you're right in the seventies, but I feel like really if you want to hit it on the right on the nose, I would say sixty seven, sixty eight to seventy seven, seventy eight. But but you know what I'm saying? Here's what I'll say about that though, like I was I was I was too young in the in seventies to so was I I was freaking born in the seventies I didn't really yeah, so was I you know but some of, some of the music that I found was from the seventies later on but I'll say this though that like a lot of origination for later music that was really cool like for instance the Police Sting stuff Phil Collins stuff the the um I mean all <laughs> all kinds of things originated from. From the time, excuse me, Eric Clapton's stuff from Cream and everything else, it evolved and everything. Yep. You know, I mean, there's, there's, well, Steely Dan. Um, there, yeah, well, there's, there's so much interwoven too. I mean, if you think about, Zeppelin, but, you if know. you think about like the Mamas and the Papas and Mama Cass, who was clearly responsible for helping get CSNY together and all of the, there's such a fabric in the 70s, right? Of this, you know, weaving of culture and band together. But I will say this, the most underestimated musical decade without a doubt. And it took a lot of kind of retrospective thinking is the eighties. I think it was the most underestimated decade because I think we forget that, you know, the police peaked in the eighties, you know, I mean, synchron, you know, they had so much good albums so many good albums, but you know, that last album in the eighties, you talk about, you know, the, the, the really the explosion of like synth pop. Like, but like I mean, the, even for rock music though, dude, yeah, those, those yeah, arena about, rock bands that like hair metal and stuff yeah, that dude, you have now, like, yeah. well, you go back and listen to it and they're like, holy crap, those dudes could play. Well, but you gotta be, you gotta also understand that up until 85 metal was still underground. I mean, other than Ozzy and Sabbath, I mean, Metallica really wasn't knocking down doors. I mean, they had some albums. They had Master of Puppets. They had well, Ride the, early, the Lightning. And the early Metallica is still the best Metallica, yeah, dude. I mean, it's, but, you know. but when in 85, when Poison and Winger and all these bands came out, you really started to hear metal's influence in mainstream music. And then when you, then when all of a sudden Guns N' Roses explodes onto the scene and you're like, these guys aren't wearing makeup. These well, guys are literally just ripping your face off. I mean, with you know, White Snake and White Snake and you know, uh, Bon Jovi. Yeah, freaking! You can't say anything without saying Van Halen. That absolutely right. You I know. mean, look at look at that stuff. You know, and I mean, that's this is what I mean by like nowadays. Like this is stuff I hated early on in my life, where like everybody dissed, but like nowadays I go back and listen to it, like. Man, that's really freaking good. Yeah, those guys were actually really talented. <laughs> really freaking good. Like CC Deville was an amazing guitarist. I mean, you know, but there's, there's, I get. So this is, this is why I say was. I'm going to bring guitarist. this back to this whole discussion about. This is why I say like genre and like style and stuff. 
doesn't really matter when yeah. it comes to stuff that has an intention of being faith based or theologically based. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. Not it's, at all. it's it's good either way. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't like I, I and there is there there are metal modern metal bands right now who are doing harsh vocal stuff in the, that I think are really there's I, and I don't know there was a band called Ho, Holy Name maybe I think that's what their name was. I just I just happened to see a YouTube video the other day of one of their songs because Brian Hill Head Welch was like guest guitaring in the song, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was like this live performance of one of their tunes. And I was like, all right. I felt it. I was like, all right, this is legit. And it was it was metal type of sounding type of stuff. Okay. And you know, I'm I'm I'll dig it. Right. And the same thing goes with like the rap stuff and everything else. There's, there's a ton of Christian rap dude. That is so cool. That is not, it is not like lame or whatever. The lyrical stuff, how they're doing it, how they're performing it is pretty awesome. It is. Yes, sir. You know, the production of it. Now stuff that isn't faith-based that I think is important to, to, to point out the, the stuff from like Tom McDonald, that is like these really man, uh, uh, anti-establishment type of, productions and stuff and whatever about his stuff i think that's awesome that he's out there doing this thing and he's a self-made person and stuff and those are millions of people have found him and it's it's crazy um and and even the the, and all there's a bunch of people around him that like and uh that have done stuff too but anyway there's it's just it's a really different time right now for music because not only because of like things like spotify but youtube and you know kick and twitch and all this stuff that have like you know there's just a ton of these things that people are using to like do music soundcloud and yeah i mean it's, it's endless you know it's endless all right man well we're we have we have we have chatted we have and laughed and he halt this has been this has been a very interesting episode i've i have actually really enjoyed this episode like i like <laughs> From the moment we jumped off, I've been in. I've been in this episode, man. I think it's great. So we're gonna we're, we're gonna try now. Um, there's no promises, but I I really am gonna try to do the reaction thing. So maybe like okay. next next week when we're doing our recording stuff, we can like. So you might see that. If you don't, it'll be another episode about <laughs> because if I can't, <laughs> Come you know something. <laughs> yeah, uh, with the holidays and stuff, that might get a little messed up. Um, I gotta catch up on some schoolwork because I'm like freaking late on a couple things. <laughs> um, because of work nonsense but yeah man the, the music Thanksgiving spiders oh my 80s action movies <laughs> <laughs> alright guys well like us comment go to our Facebook do whatever talk to us chat with us hope you guys have an awesome Thanksgiving hope you guys have an awesome week We're two guys, these two chairs, these two mics. We'll see you later. See ya. Bye-bye.